Welcome to Food for Thought, a Vore-themed podcast. Uh, I'm going to be your host, Leafkin, and uh, this is our inaugural episode. Thank you all for coming and listening, and I hope that this is an informative and enjoyable experience. To lay a few ground rules, this is a sex-positive podcast. We are going to be discussing things involving kink, fetishes, violence uh, in a fantastical sense. Um, among other things. So, you know, this is a not safe for work podcast. God help you if you try to listen to this on speaker at work. I'm so sorry. Each episode will uh, feature a guest to join us, and we will be discussing their personal views and opinions on this topic. Uh, Today, I am joined for our inaugural episode by Acidic. Acidic, if you would mind introducing yourself, please. Hello, everyone. Um, guys probably know me from Fur Affinity, but if not, my name is Acidic, or you can just call me Sid. Know me as Sid. And um, yeah, I draw a lot of vor. What? Which is probably what people know me the most for. Um, it hasn't always been the case, but we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. And uh, I also do the 3D as well. Um, not just a 2D artist, but uh, we're kind of jumping the gun there we'll get into art later but that's me <laughs> well uh why don't we just go ahead and jump the gun so sid wh- sure. wh- when did you realize that this was i guess the better more pertinent question is when you start in art mm. well i mean i was always creative mm-hmm. you know that's just kind of the nature of i think a lot of artists is you know you're not usually the, the person who's gonna you know be very athletic perhaps you're not going to be the person that's going to be you know focused on academics or other things you know i was more focused on you know my imagination and you know what what kid isn't right but unlike you know many of my other friends and stuff i just kept going at it um to the point where drawing and uh visual art sort of became not just a hobby but sort of a way of life so really, you know, start out when I was really young, uh, doodling Dragon Ball Z fan art, Pokemon fan art, stuff like that. Um, really, nothing, furries and all that, the whole community uh, stuff, that came much later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was a certainly a time period, and I think most artists go through this uh, moment where they are like, I want to try different things. And so I went off and, you know, I did uh, zookeeping for a bit. I was a zookeeper for a few years. Um, which is an interesting story in and of itself, uh, working with uh, um, all sorts of different animals. And then I also did stuff like IT support. I did stuff like um, kitchen prep. <laughs> I've uh, done a bunch of different things to see what stuck. And ultimately, I kept going back to my imagination and creativity um, to the point now where I actually professionally freelance, um, both for you know uh, game studios, um, small movie studios as well as the furry community so yeah now i this is the vorp podcast Mm. i would like to divert from that real quick because i want to touch on you said you were a zookeeper for a while you uh and i do remember the story you actually worked at some point with carol baskin if Uh, if i'm remembering this right all right so now (laughs) You know, yeah, to to not get 
too deep into <laughs> into that. Um, yeah, I did. I, I volunteered um, at Big Cat Rescue for a short time. Um, it wasn't anything like groundbreaking at the time. You know, sure. Carol wasn't some dramatic figure at that point. She was just a, a nice person, as, as mm -hmm. far as I knew, <laughs> who, um, you know, I barely even saw her for the most part. But right. yeah, you know, I just wanted to work with big cats. I thought it was freaking cool. I've always been a cat guy. Um, and now and... you love seeing big cats eat people. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't honestly say like. Okay, so I wouldn't honestly say like cats are even like one of my favorite preds. Like when it really comes down to it. Mm -hmm. um, it was just I liked animals. And if we're going to talk about Vor, I mean, we're going to have to talk about the predator-prey relationship, right? And I've always sure. been around, interested in predators and prey and their relationships, both real and fantastical. Honestly, um, they seem kind of one-sided to me. Well, <laughs> you'd be surprised, and I think we'll get into that. But you'll be you'd be quite surprised how um, the relationship is mutual, and in mm. a lot of ways, and um, and. Purely from the interesting perspective, because I was in the Vore way before I ever considered it a sexual fetish. Um, I was just fascinated with the concept of the food chain. <laughs> um, the idea that things must be consumed. Um, why? You know, why does a world like that exist? And to what extent does uh, the predator sort of rely on the prey species and vice versa for a continued... Uh, existence mm -hmm. and that's really what got me into you know again going more into personal life what got me into studying zookeeping ecology biology all that kind of stuff and figuring out why why things are the way they are now that's very interesting in the fact that it mm -hmm. contrasts almost pretty pretty differently from my own experience i remember vividly in the second grade when mm -hmm. we had a whole uh like unit dedicated to the digestive tract and mm -hmm. that was what like sparked that weird little bit in my brain oh yeah you know? it, it's not it it's two different things it's the anatomy and act of it and for you your introduction sounds like it's the relationship of it the community of it or the ecology i guess would be the better term the more literal it, term yeah it's well it is more than just one specific thing but i think the thing that got me the most in interested in it was definitely the the predator prey relationship definitely one of the you know, one something has yeah. to be the foot in the door though is what i'm saying right and that, that would that would definitely be it you know because i grew up watching stuff like you know national geographic and mutual omaha wild kingdom you know back before they you know would sanitize a lot of the like you know lions hunting gazelles and stuff like that Splat. or crocodiles eating things and it's like you know Wow, that's that's pretty intense. That's hardcore. Nature is metal, um, <laughs> and I was just fascinated by. It. I was terrified by it. Like, sure. don't get me wrong, this wasn't something that I was like, "Ooh, this is exciting." I was actually terrified. Like the idea, especially when you're a kid, you know, you're small, you're edible, um, <laughs> and you're thinking, "Yeah, you know, no one's going to save that gazelle. No one's going to save that mouse." You know that's just the way it is and then you start to think well geez i'm also going to the store and eating things it's just you know packaged nicely it doesn't have the same visceral nature but you know you start to think about stuff like this it's like what is my relationship with my food hmm. and 
this was all at kind of a young age again well before anything became like sexualized or fetishized this is just this fascinating um well, and then yeah like going on to like what you were talking about eventually when i started to kind of study it and study the biology of it i'm like this is even more fascinating it's it's a rabbit hole and the biology of it is truly like it's cool you're turning you're turning something into energy to use it's pretty wild now uh like two careening trade cars on uh, separate railroads that will eventually intersect. In your life, at some point, the Vor train car smashed directly into your art train car. Yeah. So, what 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 moment did you think I could start drawing this kind of thing? Did you understand that Vor was a thing before that, or did you like, man, I want to draw this? Uh, anthropomorphic lion with his mouth open or something like that. Okay, so I I had no idea what Vor was for the longest time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the internet, even the internet, <laughs> I'm kind of dating myself here, but the internet and its vast resources were still kind of new. Right. And uh, we're talking know, like I was going live journal style, just like text. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're forums and live journals, stuff like that. Like Google wasn't even really around. There were multiple different competitors all vying to be the top search engine. I mean, Yahoo was still a thing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that, that was the thing. Um, so it fucked and, Yahoo. Yeah, right, they didn't last. <laughs> they didn't become the king, apparently. But uh, but anyway, yeah, no, yeah. like, you know. Hmm trying to think when did when did the trains collide right i guess yeah. um i would say you know this, this was like again pre-puberty right and i'm still doodling just a bunch of different things i would i wouldn't really draw things getting eaten so much but i was definitely i, I would definitely say it was something i thought about a lot i i saw pictures of it usually mm -hmm. it was something in like zoo books or something you know, sure. it's like a T-Rex's digestive <laughs> system. And I'm like, I kind of want to do that. I want to be an artist that draws these things. I want to study, you know, this sort of stuff. You kind of um, look left and right, and then you kind of sketch in a little stick figure in the stomach part. You know, yeah, actually, yeah, that's, <laughs> not, that's not that far from the truth. I love you know, that. I would make like uh, monsters out of clay and have them eat other clay monsters and stuff. So <laughs> I, I would like Play-Doh and whatnot. You know, I would do things with uh, with clay like that. And I'm like, hmm. Okay, why'd I do that? Legitimately, that... yeah. that's adorable. Well, you <laughs> know, it's it was experimenting with like you know. I think anyone who has an obsession uh, mm -hmm. um, or a, is a fandom of something, they're going to start again. We're not even diving into the not safe for work element just yet, but once you have something that's on your mind a lot, you're going to want to um, experiment with it sure. and and this and find out. I mean, that's how you uh, learn, really. It's how you, you learn what you're into. And yeah, I decided, you know, to just experiment with the... Again, this is before I even knew what Vor was. But the idea of getting eaten or eating something was interesting to me. So yeah, I would start to play with, you know, whether it was clay or drawing little stick figures, like you said, in like my zoo books inside a stomach. <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff I actually did. <laughs> well... So, Let's let's careen that third train of yeah. not safe for work elements into that. When did you first realize Vor was a thing? For example, I uh, when I was a kid, I would like Google like, hmm. you know, what does the inside of a stomach look like? 
yep. and stupid shit like that. And then I would yep. uh, like watch like uh, documentary videos on like anatomy. And there's one in particular that just that really settled in my brain uh, where it, it looked really bad. Like it looked mm-hmm. like uh, it looked like an interior of a stomach done by either hentai or power rangers i'm sure both have done it yeah uh, <laughs> where it's got like that kind of like wiggly look to it yep yep <laughs> and that's a hundred percent what informed like my tastes but i'm tish in this kind of thing mm. well and then, like I... and, well, go go ahead. Ahead. well i was gonna say and then from there i would i see people start referring to that as vor and then i start googling mm. that term and that was its own can of worms and that's yeah so for me it was very different um kind of going back to our our fundamental like discoveries of these things for me it was the relationship stuff so um i started to really discover more of a vested interest in what i liked when i started watching movies um particularly little shop of horrors Ah, yeah (laughs) most people who i know who are in divorce one of their first like gateway gateways is, is little shop of horrors uh, Fern can we, Gully. Can um, we take a moment, real quick, just to talk about Little Shop of Horrors and how sure. they did it? That's because no, like, it's an amazing movie. So it is a fantastic movie for several yeah. reasons, my mm-hmm. boner not included. Um, <laughs> uh, so there, of course, are it, the amazing animatronic of Audrey Two, mm-hmm. and all of the flexible like flesh and. Uh, jaws, the lips functioning, oh, and all one that. One of the most lifelike puppetries to ever be constructed in modern times. And of course, yeah. it has to be a horny vor monster. Of yeah. course it did. And I think that was the appeal. Well, not just the appeal, but something that struck a chord with me is like, yeah, the Predator often doesn't just consume their prey. There, There is this foreplay involved. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just that, but there's a a weird domination submissive uh, relationship going on between like Seymour Krellborn and Audrey, too, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like they they need each other, for lack of a better word. Um, this also piggybacks into uh, you know, we're, I'm getting older, right? And I'm I'm in high school at this point, you know, or you know, late middle school, early high school, and I'm definitely crossing that puberty line and, and looking into things a bit more deeply. Mm. Um, and this is where I was watching something. I mean, people probably have heard of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But there's this very interesting moment um, where uh, one of Buffy's boyfriends uh, in season four, Riley, he uh, is discovered taking part in a vampire whorehouse where he <laughs> is letting vampires suck his blood um, and Buffy is just agog at this. Like, how could you do something so horrible? They just see you as a snack. And he's like, that may be, but they also need me. A part of it is deeper than just, you know, it's not just like the relationship I have with you is nice, but these vampire ladies want to consume me. They want me more than you ever could. And it may just be a meal ticket, but it is coming from a primal deeper nature and now, that was interesting to me yeah i'm just saying like that was the moment where i'm like you know what yeah there's an actual aspect to you know vor that is as deep as a relationship can go mm. you know the the 
sometimes you read a story that talks about mm-hmm. like how this is the most intimate anything can be like yeah. beyond uh beyond just sex yeah exactly that's or that's embracing. exactly how the uh the buffy episode played it out and, and I, I think, it, go ahead yeah. Well, it's like, it, and the thing was, it didn't really paint Riley as the wronged party. Like, it wasn't like he was crazy. You mm-hmm. know, You know, Buffy certainly saw that. Like, from one perspective, it looked absolutely insane what he was doing. But from his point of view, it made perfect sense. He, it was, and, you know, this also goes back to um, other stories. I'm kind of jumping through different stories, but this is all about how, you know, we discover you know what we like right sure. so b- between that and something like dragonheart where you have this ah. <laughs> you know yeah. granted it's not just the ma scene which is fantastic um if you're into that uh type of um you know predator prey dynamic thing going on there that that's just wonderful and it's again another you know a masterful puppetry too with great you know intense visual like you know imagery there the, the, but it's the, also the the fact that you know you have yeah. a, a a friendly dragon that for all intents and purposes should be eating you could eat you but doesn't and yet you have this relationship with it that that, that was something that was like I want that you know uh, that's yes. what I want um yes. not it's not just to be consumed but it's to kind of be wanted to be needed even if the predator is nonchalant about it the predator doesn't even have have a say in it it needs to eat it it requires you and that was a very that was the moment where i started to look that kind of stuff up granted i did the same thing you did i looked up you know you know mouths and stomach pictures and stuff like that because i i liked the physical aspect too it's like we've seen with these puppets like wow the physical aspect of it is is striking but once i started looking up these things on the internet that's when i discovered the word vor and I'm like, whoa, there's I hesitate to use the word community because we were very loose back then. It wasn't like we all had the same definition for what we liked, but sure. we all had something in common. And so you could say the Vore fandom, let's say. And that's what uh, really got me curious. It was like, this isn't new to me. I discovered something. I discovered something that other people also discovered. So what Vore is, isn't just a unique fetish it is something that people stumble across something deeper than just uh, a unique part of your upbringing so yeah i think that goes into my next point of when you when we think about something like dragonheart when we think about something like little shop of horrors and people pour blood sweat and tears into making these amazing millions of dollars yeah yeah and and you think was this just to explore like a prop for a movie or has for <laughs> existed before even the internet really kicked off before well, there was you think the aztecs made their temples out of gold to sacrifice people to their carnivorous snake god for fun oh man no, there was a, there just was, hot <laughs> there was a vested interest um to to sacrifice people to a hungry snake god there there mm-hmm. is this you know and this is where i get a little psychological here you know Back in the day, we were being eaten by stuff, yeah. whether it was internally by parasites or by a large carnivorous bird or saber-toothed cat. It didn't or matter. Or myth. 
you know, or in our mythology. Well, we create our mythologies to understand and deal with the fact that part of life could be you might be hunted and killed by something. Which is why Chronos um, swallowed all of his kids. And uh, right, in, uh, there is, <laughs> yeah, bingo, bingo. We're gonna dive deep here. It's like you know, you're you're looking at something that is hugely influential in in not just nature, but in like you know, human psychology in our minds. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have creatures that not only like devour and then create the world through a cycle of death and rebirth, like the Kronos mythology, where the gods literally are devoured and escape his stomach, his system um, to create the world. But, you know, beyond that, like the idea of like, uh, you know, uh, what is it? I think in the Norse mythology of like the world serpent consuming Thor, consuming the gods, and then right. the end of the world being reborn after after all the gods are dead, basically. Or or the Egyptian myth where there's like a giant snake that swallows the sun every day. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a cycle of death and rebirth. And what's what's cooler than that? I mean, that's pretty freaking awesome, just from a you know philosophical and uh, uh, standpoint. So, yeah, you know, Vor isn't just something that's just, hey, this is a sexual fetish that gets me horny. It's 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 pretty deep, and we're discovering it. It's not something that's just, hey, you know, I mean, some people do, you know, dis- discover a fetish post-puberty, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, that's, intri- that's interesting, I get it. Some, but it goes deeper than that, is what I'm saying. You know? I, f- I feel like the people who discover it, you know, during those very important years... Yes. Uh, they get a, a much more intimate relationship with it. I believe so as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know. it's not just like, oh, hey, this is a fetish I discovered on FA this weekend, and that's interesting. That's That happens. Sometimes I'll, I'll see something on FA, and it's like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting um, sexual kink. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that being, you know, uh, up my alley. Mm-hmm. But war is different. That was something that wasn't even sexual to begin with. It was something a lot more psychological. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess all sexual fetishes come from a psychological standpoint, if you really want to get into it, but I've studied Vore far more than the other. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's go back to, like, uh, your your budding relationship with it. Do you, hmm. do you have in your mind exactly what you think was proper the first thing that you would just write down as this is a vor thing there was a picture i made back in like 2008 2009 um it was a dragon and a bunny girl mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was it was literally my first vor picture that i posted publicly on fa um at the time and i don't even know if i was under acidic at the time i probably was because that was when I wanted to make like a not safe for work account so I can, you know, draw some not safe for work things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just like this, uh, this bunny girl and, you know, and a macro feral dragon in a relationship. And yeah, the, I, the idea being that I think the title of it was just literally called trust because that was what I wanted to like establish was this is what I like about Vor is that you are giving yourself up as a prey creature to a predator, trusting that it won't eat you. Um, or kill you, really. It's probably going to eat you, but it won't kill you. Right. Um, and that was, like, my first real, like, 
that was the moment right there. And God, even at that point is when I, I still have some fans who remember that exact picture. I um, do. Or, yeah, right. And so there you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it was that exact picture. Where I'm like, I hit something here. This is what I'd like. This is something that I want to explore and I'll explore it through art drawing i'm i was good at creating what i thought in my head into a visual art piece and, and now there's yeah. zettabytes of that shit out there yep yep <laughs> most of it's not even mine and I, I'll, I'll preface that is like i am a commission artist and it's not like i dislike what i draw I'm not and i it's not like i do it just for the money mm -hmm. i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing if it was just for the money because i've never been able to hold any job for longer than a year off that motivation alone i actually love what i draw but most of what i'm drawing is someone else's idea sure. um when I'm when I dive into my own ideas, usually it's you know at that point a commission's a lot more collaborative with with the person who's paying for it is actually wanting me to put a lot more of my own input in, and right. you know, those kind of situations are a lot more fun I think um, to do, and that's where I you know that usually that's when I work on like a, a comic let's say you'll see a lot more of my influence on stuff like that. Um, uh I've noticed, you know, among the comics that you do produce, like they're mm -hmm. a lot of them tend to share the same themes mm -hmm. of uh, like the big introduction ma shot, the yep. quick grab, the swallow, and then the aftermath of like satisfied pred people in stomach, yep. whether you show it or not. It's it's on. there's multiple reasons for that. Mm -hmm. One of them, the most simple one is budget. Not everyone has like the budget to to create this grand multi-page comic that hits every kink. So usually there's like, okay, specific money shots they want. And right. I completely understand that because, you know, it's also my time budget. What can I create within like a month? Because comics take, you know, anywhere two to two weeks to a month to do something like multiple pages. So just the logistics element of it means you kind of have to streamline it. And, you know, mm -hmm. diving off the fetish side, that's a story, right? You can't just tell a story of like, oh, I woke up and I brushed my teeth and I put on my clothes and I drove to work. It's like, no, cut to the chase. You know, you wake <laughs> up, you go to work. Cut all that middle shit out because that's not important. Um, well, and so, yeah, there's there's a lot of elements to a, to a comic where you just, you kind of have to focus on the things that people really want to see, what you want to see. Um which is why, yeah, they, you'll see a, a meta start to form when I when you've seen enough of my work. <laughs> it, that's what it is, and yeah, you'll no, see it with is, other artists as well. It is the meta of you know what gets people's rocks off. The vor and meta. It, yeah. yeah, it's exactly, and it's not going <laughs> to be like. And some people like a focus on one particular thing. Some people really like a focus on the internal stuff. So I'll do more panels of of the stomach. Some people like, you know, more um, focus on what the predator is feeling. You know, they want panels more like that. So, you know, there's variations, of course, but um, you start to see, and especially, like you said, my comic work, there, there's definitely a focus on, mm -hmm. like, you know, always mall play and always some kind of stomach or internal shot because, I mean, you know, those are the, those are the key things, right? That's what people want to sure. see. Now, we're, you touched on something that I thought was very uh, interesting. And that's mm -hmm. like uh, you're talking about how people don't want to see, you know, the bullshit that comes up before. Yeah. Or rather, I mean, sometimes the foreplay is the attraction. 
Well, yeah, but that's uh, the foreplay isn't the bullshit part. Right, uh, right. No, yeah. that's that's not what I was gonna say. Right. Um, it's more of one of the things that I enjoy. Let's say this scenario, just to so I can get this idea out of my head. Yeah. Uh, is a comic that would feature somebody getting up, brushing their teeth, and like going about their day, and it's like a it's like a whole page of just this this stuff. Mundane, yeah. And and then the next page, you actually get like an interview of a stomach, and it's a guy who's been sitting in there digesting since last night. See, that's a subversion, though. So yeah, that's a subversion like, of it. Yeah, that that um, uh, uh, you could. So there are moments where you can take something like the mundane and make mm -hmm. it interesting. And I actually really like that topic. I've done, I've, I've done a few pictures like that, specifically with a uh, Lily rabbit, um, Alan Fox's uh, rabbit girl character, where mm. part of the appeal of the, of the whole boar fetish is underneath the surface of a seemingly nonchalant uh, character is someone's being digested. We, <laughs> you we know, talked there's... about this specifically yeah. for a picture that you did for me. Yeah exactly of, yeah so that's that's very cool i like that yeah sorry my but, cat also wants to join the uh the interview well Sometimes give it give that. it some pets I, no. I, can you make the cat meow on the microphone for, for me please no no that's not gonna happen damn it okay all right <laughs> anyway we tried yeah uh, um anyway going back on on the topic about the nonchalant yeah, you're you're weaponizing naturalism for yeah. the sake of the king. Yeah, and like some people really want to be like the focus of what a predator like thinks about, and mm -hmm. some people want to be just the food. And you know who thinks about their food after it's eaten, right? Not for I... not for very long, at least afterwards. You go about yeah. your day, unless you know? you're horny and... like us. Right, unless that's what specifically gets you horny. And that sometimes is, again, part of the relationship aspect that interests me, is sometimes in a predator-prey relationship, the predator is purely out there to eat, and you're food for it, and you might have this whole prey kink. It's a prey-focused kink at that point. Sure. Um, and the predator is just there to eat you, and is just, you know, they're along for the ride. You're, as the prey, you're going to enjoy as much of it as you can. Um, and the pred goes about their day, and the fact the pred goes about their day not even thinking about you is part of the horny. That's you kind know? of ironic, isn't it? Like, you say you read a story that where mm -hmm. it's like a first-person perspective of somebody who's, like, so excited, they finally get to get eaten, or maybe they're terrified, depending on your tastes, mm -hmm. and then they get eaten. Like, the predator's just there to, like, say hi, um, the end. Yeah, it's never even, like, a... It's not even just one or the other. You're both terrified and and excited, and... sure. You know, that's the, it's the, it, again, going deeper. I'm not just going to talk about what gets, I'm not gonna, just going to talk about what gets my rocks off. <laughs> yeah, um, no. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on why. Why is it that we want a nonchalant bread? Well, mm. the gods we sacrificed ourselves to, or our, our virgins to, or our children to, they never cared about you. You're hoping they, you do, you're hoping your sacrifice means something mm -hmm. in the end. And part, part of, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't mean anything, but it might mean something more in the long term. It's like this idea that, well, you may not remember every book you've ever read, but they still created you, your imagination. They still help you become who you are. You may not remember every meal you've ever had, but they're still a part of you. And that's, that's a, that's the deeper element of a nonchalant pred is like, look, they may not care about you in the moment, but 
you're still probably one of the most important things necessary for them to even go about their day. You Just know, to and that's, take that's this part yeah. and pull it out and apply it to something else just to show just how similar mm -hmm. uh, other fetishes can be. That's basically what a cucking fetish is, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. You, that's, you're that's, a stepping stone for yeah. the, someone else's relationship. Yeah, it is the ultimate form of submission. And mm -hmm. some people really like that. Some people really like to be the most submissive element in a relationship, so much so that they're not even the main course, pun intended, of that relationship. Um, I'm going to add a rim shot there, just so you know. <laughs> well, but you get my point. And that, you know, there is a certain element of at least I'm useful for something. Mm -hmm. and, and then you die. I don't. Yeah. And yeah. And. To be fair, I don't think this is the healthiest form of the relation of the the fetish um, mentally. So um, that doesn't mean it's not bad to explore. It's it is a fetish. It is a fantasy, and it's perfectly mm -hmm. fine to explore. But you know, war gets dark. Sex gets dark. Relationships get dark sometimes. And how we view them. this is why you know no one wants to watch a drama of of characters in a story where everything just works out. How right. dull. You know, sometimes you need a Buffy-Riley scenario where Riley feels emasculated by Buffy's superiority so he goes and gets his blood sucked by vampires. That's drama. Sometimes you need a predator who doesn't give a shit about you but is willing to entertain you um, to get a free meal. You know, there's, there's these... That's dramatic. It, it, it may not uh, uh, come across that way to some people, but you know it it's it's more interesting than everyone just getting along and even when things are like that when you have a scenario like a whether it's a picture or a story or whatever where where it's all fluffy and everyone gets along and it's, it's almost saccharine in how how kind it is you do want there to be an element of tension where it's like well maybe i'm not always safe um it it's the difference between, like, say, porn with a story and just someone's sex type. Bingo, bingo. Yeah, uh, um, uh, exactly. Yeah, you know, let's say, like, you know, a sex tape, and this is where I'll, I'll, I'll maybe you can disagree with me or not on this, but I think the, the, the porno, right? That's just mm. for, that's just to get your rocks off. But the sex tape is intimate. It's, it's, there's, there's a reason why sex tapes are shared on the news sometimes. Because mm. it's 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 a window into drama, right? Into a, a a personal, more intimate drama, where you know, porno, you know, it's acting, it's it's faker, it's sometimes the orgasms aren't even real. Most of the times they are. <laughs> you know, it's it's there to do one thing for you, and that's just to get your rocks off, and you're and you're done. Whereas the sex tape, you know, most people don't watch the sex tape to get off to the act. They watch it because of the drama. They get off on the drama. And again, this goes back to my interest in Vor is that the relationship is what interests me. Um, so yeah, interesting that you bring up that that topic because yeah, I, I do see it as a difference. Well, it's extra interesting for me because I was thinking of it in the exact opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just thinking of a sex tape for somebody watching is just two people having sex. There's no story behind it. There is, or or so I assume there is no drama behind it. it is just two people in a moment they they touch the thing and 
they get all satisfied. They say, was it good for you too? And one of the people stumbles towards the camera and hits the off button. Mm. Whereas porn with the story, you, you th- there's where the drama comes from. Like it's acting, sure. But like, say you want you want to get engaged with it or the context of a scenario uh despite the act is what gets you going and i i think not only is it interesting that these are two takeaways and they're exactly the opposite i wonder if that reflects what i don't think it does reflect what we enjoy or don't enjoy about for stuff because you you can have vastly different views on something and still both be correct like, I know, I know. This is not something that there's a right or a wrong. Um, right. But yeah, you know, we were just approaching things from two different angles. I think what matters, though, is what can you lose yourself in? Mm-hmm. And if if you are successfully immersed in a fantasy, um, then that fantasy feels real. And that's why, again, I use the sex tape example as something that's real that people are interested in versus... Um, Let's just say a poorly done porno where you can mm. tell nothing's real. Um, if it or is it a, around the offices, is, you have a big cock. Well, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Did you order a pizza? You know, that kind of shit. No. Really? Right in front of my like, salad. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> you know, there, there's that kind of stuff which just feels hollow and, mm-hmm. and, and shallow, I should say. Not just hollow, but also shallow. And then you have stuff that's genuinely interesting, genuinely intriguing. And that's kind of what I want to do whenever I do not safe for work art. It's 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 something that I want the viewer to be like they could imagine themselves in that scenario where it's like, OK, this is taking me into a more immersive category of porn. Um, I, I, I would like to take a moment to stoke your ego in that uh, I really can see that whenever I see uh, art from you above that of, of that, because like their expressions typically are what I imagine would be someone in mid orgasm doing just, yeah, they're, they're like not, the, they're not handsome. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're, ugly. they're, they're ugly. They're expressive. They're going yes. through a physical, mm. uh, just jolt. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is I, an important aspect too, that I want to get across visually is that, you know, there's so many other senses that you get mm. um, that you cannot translate just with visuals. You can try, but it's just not quite that great. So that's why sometimes it's good to have a little bit of dialogue. Sometimes that's why it's good to have a little bit of sound effects written in. Or, I mean, this is why there's all their creators out there who do stuff like Vore Audio and Vore Animation mm-hmm. and Vore Stories. It's like, you can't just get, I mean, I know that, you know, like, we're talking about my art, but Vor in general and what I enjoy also includes, you know, way more than just the visual element of it. And, uh, you know, I just chose the visual element to represent my interests, but, you know, I, yeah, it, it's more than that. You chose the visual element. You're branching off into a few uh, mediums. So you talked mm-hmm. about how you did 3D art yeah. uh, earlier. Uh, now, I, I know that you're... Uh, exploration of that in Vor is a little more limited, but you're responsible for some right. of uh, people's favorites, uh, favorite yeah. big models like uh, Bunsen's. Or, I uh, uh, yeah, I I, I I I was a bit surprised um, just how well that model came out and how it was used. Um, 
no offense i see it fucking everywhere me too <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit wild honestly it's surreal um and yeah um so 3d has been something that i do professionally it's not something mm -hmm. that i ever really ever wanted to bring to the uh the furry side of stuff not because i'm ashamed or anything like that just you know i have you know most artists out there for those of you guys who don't know this, it's like a lot of artists have after darks. A lot of artists have not safe for work stuff. You know, I can guarantee you the most PG Disney artist out there who draws or 3D models for Disney stuff has a fucking like insane after dark that you probably don't even know about. A, a little um, a little side topic here because I learned about this. Uh, yeah. Disney has a colossal vault yep. of pornography of their own characters because they the artists of the characters that you know and love have gone <laughs> and made owns it. So yeah. they, yeah, you know, artists are going to create what artists want to create. And I guarantee you, um, for those of you listening, I'm, I'm going to make a, um, uh, I'm going to pull an oceans 11 style heist and <laughs> I'm going to grab a crew and we're going to, we're going to rob the Disney porn vault right from under their nose. I need uh, a Chinese acrobat. <laughs> I need a femme fatale. I need a Brad Pitt. And gotcha. um, obviously, I'm the George Clooney here. I'm not. But, um, I'm sorry, I lied. Yeah, no, I, I need, and um, I need four Mini Coopers. Um, what other? You just stuff? combined Ocean's Eleven and the and the Italian hey. job. It's a big heist. It's not. It's not just one heist movie. We're, we're gonna rob the Disney porn vault. It's gonna be a big heist. Okay, it's so, the Chinese acrobats have to be involved in the uh, the Mission Impossible section, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and, cool. Okay, we're yeah. we're on we're we're in line. Uh, FBI, just real quick, I just want to let you know this is a joke, and we're going to do it yeah. all in Minecraft. Right, right. We're not going to okay. really rob the Disney porn vault. We know that. We're that's, rob it. Yeah, we're totally we know that's rob. locked away in Area Fifty One anyway, so it's not like it's even approachable. You're not safe from us. <laughs> but. Uh, going back on topic, how much Disney vor porn do you think is in that vault? No, we're not going back on topic. I need to know this information. Mm. I'm going to take that okay. as a serious question. I'm not going to let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do um, it. I would say a good deal. I would say a good deal. I definitely know there are people um, in the industry, animation industry, who really do like vor. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's no secret Don Bluth is probably one of them. Sure. But, um, Matt Goring. Matt Goring. Probably, yeah, yeah. He's definitely, you know, done some things in The Simpsons that people can like be very curious about. Um, Not my proudest wanks, but you know. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Almost had a spit take there. Um, <laughs> no, um, first episode. But you get the point, right? It's, yeah. It's yeah. something where uh, artists like to draw all sorts of stuff and we're kinky mm -hmm. weirdos that's i mean we 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 filter everything through our through our artwork that's it's it's our way of communicating it's a language it's not just oh i draw pictures and then when i'm done drawing pictures i do normie stuff no no we live in the world of creation and that's it'll everything will express itself through our creations including our sexuality and yeah so the disney porn vault Absolutely, there's probably vor. There's all sorts of weird shit in there. I'm absolutely positive <laughs> about it. And um, knowing, again, multiple industry artists who work either in video game studios or movie studios or something like that, we're kinky bastards, and we mm. have lots of it. And most of it we keep separate from our professional um, 
portfolios, but that's just, that's reality. And, if, and for those of you out there who might want to join the game or, or movie industry and are worried that, oh, I'm a, I'm a kinky artist, what if people find out? One, no one cares, and two, people might like it. You know, it's it's not something. I'm not not saying share your porn art on your portfolio. Don't do that. That's unprofessional. But I did that once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. He, he got the um, job. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe do that. <laughs> um, point is, it depends. You know, you know, dress for the job you want, not for the job you're interviewing for, right? So if if you want a job that you know, like working for Adult Swim, let's say, yeah, you know, maybe your Rick and Morty porn fantasy fan fiction, if it's really good, might actually get some um attention Dang but you probably you probably don't want to put that on let's say a, a dreamworks uh application let's say um speaking of which they are releasing yeah. that uh whatever their render thing is mm -hmm. like as open source uh oh, really? oh wow so i think that's going to be fascinating to watch that come out because oh. i i know cake inferno uses RenderMan. Um, yeah, going going back to 3D, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we're, let's go back to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I am actually working with Cake Inferno. We're going to be doing a few things together, um, which is, to me is a dream come true because he was, you know, one of my first influences into like you know Vore like early on, um, mm -hmm. or specifically animated Vore because I'm like, holy god, this is this is next level stuff this guy was making. Yeah, and, the way that it all constantly moves. Just sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, he he knows what he's doing, like yeah. clearly. And you know, he wants to. I mean, now, and this is the glorious part about 3D is like any one person, if you have the you know computing power, can make something just as just as professional looking as uh, DreamWorks or Disney or better even. Like mm -hmm. you know, again, I don't want to sound egotistical here, but I've seen some work from that Bunsen model. It's like I never, in my wildest dreams, expected the model to look that good in the hands of a really talented animator and a really talented render artist. It's like, okay, you know, these people were able to take something I created and really give it a whole new coat of paint, a whole new life. And uh, you know, it's surreal. It's it's it makes me feel good. Um, and yeah, it's like. It's kind of living in its own. It's it's taking on a life of its own, and mm -hmm. I don't know for any creator to see your creation become self-sustaining, to become a real boy, Pinocchio style. <laughs> um, it's it's heartwarming, it really is. Um, all these all these like uh, model artists that see their uh, their heart getting placed in some other model's stomach. Yeah, <laughs> just like just like Pinocchio and the whale. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, it, but you know, in all seriousness, yeah, it, it is something pretty awesome to see that. And I'm pretty new to the 3D world when it comes to furry art, but I've been doing it for a while. You yeah. know, I went to I went to school for this stuff. Really, I, I it's, the, it's the first time I ever went to an art school was for 3D 3D art. So now, you know, uh, I, this kind of leads me into my next point. You mm -hmm. don't your your entire income isn't just art. No. Or, or at least the fetish art that you draw. No. Could you? Would you be able to give a percentage if you want to, if you're comfortable with that? I would say my fetish art is about eighty to ninety percent of Damn. my income. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't know, expecting that actually. It's like the world's oldest profession, you know. It's it's you know, <laughs> sex, uh, sex sells, and it's not something to yeah, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. Really, I I fully mm -hmm. own it. 
and I, I love the fact that I create, you know, not safe for work art because it's definitely hitting a, a, a point for some people. It's definitely giving some, it, you know, I, I look at it like this. It's like, I feel no shame in it because not only is it something I personally find interesting that I'm drawing, mm -hmm. but, you know, I've had so many interesting stories where people are like, you know, I've wanted art from you for so long and this is like a dream come true and I'm giving this to my boyfriend, I'm giving this to my girlfriend, I'm giving this to my significant other. And it's like, that's touching. That's it's I've, I've done like anniversary pictures, you know, porn still, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's stuff that it's people porn want to, with love. Well, it is. There's a, there's an added level of emotion to it. And yeah. I, that's, that's the difference between like something that I do and feel proud of versus like, you know, some kind of, uh, amateur porn hub thing or something, or it's just mm. kind of, you know, again, shallow and, and there's no no heart behind it so yeah i feel you know just be you know making my primary income mostly based off uh, not safe for work art doesn't bother me and it's not like that's that's just on average there's there's a uh, some months where i take on a really big project and that sustains me for like six months and i i go on a hiatus doing furry stuff and i go um do something more professional I don't want to say more professional. That's the wrong way to put it. I do something more normy, more mm -hmm. safe for work. Um, right. I also get a lot of people um, who have started commissioning me for uh, safe for work stuff, which is great because it allows me to explore, you know, just other avenues that I, I enjoy. Yeah, um, like the way that you use colors and such is, is really remarkable. So having you. it just be restricted to the pinks and, and greens of uh, stomachs, while delightful, uh, <laughs> well, you, you know, know, every artist burns out, no matter how into something they are. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's nice to have, it's nice to have uh, challenges, consistent challenges, um, and not just get into a comfort zone. Uh, one thing that I always think is very interesting about, and you were comparing yourself to pornography. Typically, that's a more uh, real thing like that can be done yeah. with people actors a camera maybe special effects a green screen mm -hmm. uh, you can do that with vor but what you mostly see it from is uh kitty yeah we got it yeah. ladies go. and gentlemen we got it um what was i saying i don't know oh, you no. got distracted <laughs> I'm sorry. I love cats. That's why you're, that's why you're on the first episode, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> Damn it, cat. I know. She she just derails the whole conversation, doesn't she? No, it's okay. It's okay. That's what cats do. Hmm. Um, the, the thing about it is, though, that Vor is typically... It has to be portrayed in a fantastical act. Okay, no. yeah, there's been like fantasy. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, well, so yeah, like I think the essence of a good fantasy is it's grounded in some basis for reality. Mm -hmm. um, this is why, and I might upset some people about this, but I'm not the biggest Endo fan. Sure. Um, uh, and it's it's not because I don't like the idea of safe vor. Quite the opposite, actually. I I that's my preference. But that, that that's the first picture that you. Exactly. My my first picture is basically saying I like safe vor, but I don't like endo in the sense that you kind of start to remove the elements of vor that are real. You know, mm -hmm. the stomach acid, the smell, the 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 feelings, the, the the grosser aspects that you don't like. 
It's like, well, let's just remove it because it's fantasy. And I'm like, well, no, because the essence of a good fantasy is believability and immersion. And if you start to remove and pick and choose different things, then it just feels like it's been created just for you. And mm -hmm. that's not, I don't like that. I don't like it when it's just, you know, completely plain like that. That doesn't mean I'm completely into the horrible aspects and that's what gets me off. It's just, it's, it's all encompassing. So it's a, it's, and I use this analogy a lot. It's like, you know, if you go on a roller coaster, do you want to go in a straight line at one mile per hour and then get off and say, wow, that was safe? No, <laughs> you, you know, you, you're not going to have an exciting time. Um, so just take that into the sexual element of things. Do you want to have a safe, productive time, or do you want things to be a little spicy? It can still be safe. It just has to have a little element of potential danger. Um, and that's, I think that to me, that's far more appealing. Now, I think to most that, people, that's far more appealing. Uh, now, that's your perspective on it. But it's let, totally let, yeah. let's pull back and like take a moment to think, why does the other thing appeal to other people? Well, you know, I think it's just a matter of... Um, I, I can't really say because I'm trying to understand a, a side of people that I don't completely understand. But I'm going to try. Mm. I'm going to assume that people who like Endo probably don't like the side of Vor that you and me are talking about. Whether mm. it is the the biology aspect of it or the even predator prey relationship aspect of it. They're looking for something that is, it, it doesn't actually really have eating involved. It's more, it, it's a, it's a different kind of side that it's more like an insertion fetish, let's say mm. where it's something, um, you know, it's something involving perhaps the warmth and closeness of being, you know, inside of or or with another being that can, you know, can eat you, but doesn't doesn't have the biology to eat you, or does you just know. doesn't want to, like enact the process upon you. Right, right. But you know, if you're going to start removing elements of biology to make it consistent with your fetish, I don't think it actually is consistent with. Vor. I mean, the very nature of vor is consume to eat. Right. Um, this is why you know again spicy topic perhaps for some people, but I don't consider the unbirthing fetish. That's to me, that's not vor. That's an insertion fetish. Um, very Freudian. You know, perhaps. <laughs> or literally uh, returning to the womb. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And, and some people don't. It's not even that. Some people just want to just be using the sex toy. And that's not vor. That's just being used as a sex toy it's it's a macro micro kind of thing it's a mm -hmm. um you know um um weight gain you can't really consider that vor i mean you could i mean some people do it's if, you know, if the act of using... leads to it yeah and if we start using vor as just an umbrella term to mean all of these things then what's the point in having a definition if it doesn't define anything so you know i i'm very particular with how i i describe vor and so when i say like i I'm not an endo fan that's i consider endo like a whole different type of fetish where it's it it's it's similar it's adjacent but it's something that i wouldn't really describe as vor hmm. it just removes too much of the elements that make vor vor the idea of consumption um 
So well, yeah, I do think the people who oh, sorry, this is a, just to wrap this up. The people who like this stuff, and it's fine to like this stuff. It's not like, you know, it's just not my personal kink. It's just I think people who like this stuff prefer the safety element. I prefer um, the lack of safety. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah. Well, you know, it sometimes it goes around the other way. Um, I remember recently I had a friend who mm -hmm. um declared that he's not going to do any more that involves uh you know the the act of death in Vor. Ah, yes. Fatal so, Vor. And yeah. then suddenly he gets like a whole bunch of like uh comments saying like good for you like I'm glad you're not into like that snuff fetish shit or uh yeah like what do you think the role of violence in Vor is? What do you think the definite like the difference of it is between the fantasy and the like to me, I don't think that there's a difference between shooting a guy in a video game and RPing with somebody on the and then burping out their skull. Um, Let me some time to think about this one because Fatal Vor is a hot topic for some people, right? And and um, like your your discussion of it, like you, yeah. you're not into endo, but you do like actual danger in your pref. I guess this kind of leads yeah. into your preference of a scenario. Uh, do you prefer that that people actually do end up getting out just by the skin of their teeth, or generally speaking, yeah? I well, like I said, I like the relationship personally to be mm -hmm. one where the predator and prey actually have some kind of, if not romantic, something mutually beneficial. So they, you know, predator enjoys consuming the prey and maybe leaves them in there for a bit of time, but no permanent death, just some kind of evidence that you've been in a stomach is more than enough for a lot of prey characters to be like, all right, that's enough. I've enjoyed my time here. Right. Let me out, please. It's time um, for the safe word. It's time for the safe word. Tug on the rope, whatever you need to do to, to get out. But, you know, I like that aspect of it because the stomach is not under the predator's control. Predator cannot really tell its stomach what to do or what not to do. Um, and that element kind of excites me for sure. Like there is a primal um, relationship there with 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 being eaten. It's like yeah, you know, once once you're down the throat, the predator is kind of you know out of control there. Now, now yeah. you're now you're into a whole different system, um, literally the digestive system at its at its core. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact of the, the act of the predator bringing you back up is also sort of this thing. It's like now the predator is regaining that control over you again. So you know there there's again whole different psychology there but let's go into fatal war let's go into um why i think people like that and i've actually thought about this a lot um uh, to preface uh yeah. as part of my taste some more i would pray don't get out in yeah. their situations and yeah. you know this kind of sticks on my brain uh, a lot of the times is like am i just into a snuff fetish is that cool i mean this is stuck in the realm of fantasy so, you know, we can go into Jungian territory and talk about, like, the incorporation of your shadow and, you know, diving into the, the darker parts of your mind, the, the cognitive dissonance, let's say, of, um, and again, you know, I'm using these psychological terms, cognitive dissonance is like, let's say you are, yeah, have you ever had this feeling like you're walking next to an edge of a cliff or on a bridge or you stare over the edge of a bridge into the water and think, man, I could jump. Yeah, I, I could I could push a friend over, you know, it wouldn't take much. 
Mm. And you get this nauseous uh, vertigo-like feeling, knowing that you are within the capability of ending yourself, of snuffing yourself right then and there. But you know you don't do it. Your brain pulls you back. It pulls you back from this brink of negative thinking because, well, that's insane. Why would I do something like that? Why would I do something so cruel to another person or to myself? That's cognitive dissonance. You'll have the thought. That doesn't mean you act it out. The thought is actually a comforting thing, so it activates the part of your survival part of your brain that says, no, I'm not going to do the thing that's going to harm myself or others. But you think it anyway because it allows you to reinforce the safety protocol you have in your brain. Well, So, you know, thinking the act out and even fetishizing the act of, of death, especially in war or violence or, or in sex, whether it's sexual violence or rape fantasies, or let's say, let's, let's really dive into this here. People have some pretty extreme uh, fetishes, some of which yeah. involve humiliation, some of which involve, um, even war has its element of humiliation too. But, you know, um, some of it would involve, you know, um, pain. You know, uh, and some of those are acted out in in the real world. Some people will actually encourage pain, whether it's something as benign as spanking or something a bit more extreme, like you know, body piercing and stuff like that, and the fetishes. So the sandbox, and that's why I like to refer it to your sexual fantasies are a sandbox um, mm -hmm. where you can explore these things safely, where you can have these moments of cognitive dissonance, and nothing bad actually ever happens. It doesn't make you a bad person. Now, uh, being a bad person makes you a bad person. And that's acting things out in the real world against other people's will, against other people's thing. Like, you, you mentioned the video game, right? Shooting mm. a person in the face in the video game. Well, that person that you shot in the face asked for it. They're playing the same <laughs> game. They're playing the same game. Yeah. If you went into Animal Crossing and somehow brought a Call of Duty gun in there and shot someone in the face in Animal Crossing, that's you being a dick. Because they're not <laughs> playing the same game as you. Right. You know? And the, so when... It emerges into an element of competition, which is a consensual right. act. It, it, exactly. Itself. Exactly. When you play a violent video game, you are both consenting to play this game together. And when you are enacting a fatal vor fetish, a fantasy that involves death or, or violence or something... You're still, even as non-consensual as the fantasy may may seem on paper or in art or in storytelling, it's still within this realm of cooperative fantasy. Mm -hmm. The reader is enjoying it because they want to read something like that. You are enjoying it because you're making it or, or fantasizing about it, but it's a cooperative thing. No one's really being hurt against their will. You are able to put it in the, the way that you're approaching this. Yeah. And uh, therapeutic. <laughs> it is. I do think it is therapeutic in a way because, yeah. yes, we have a shadow. We have a dark side of ourselves. We're all capable of doing harm. We're all capable of of being, res you know, resentful or, or nasty. And sometimes you want an outlet for it, whether it is a violent video game or a, you know, a dark sexual fantasy. None of these things are abnormal. You know, in fact, I'm, I bet a lot of people, you know, any viewers out there who are listening to this is like, oh, yeah, I have weird fantasies sometimes and I'm ashamed of it. Well, that's your cognitive dissonance talking. You're ashamed of acting it out in real life. You're not ashamed of the act itself. It's still giving you a boner. 
It's just you're not going to do this to a real person because that's not the same thing. It's and there's a lot of people who want to argue that if you're into something like snuff, if you're into something dark or disturbing, that you yourself are a dark or disturbing person. And I can guarantee you, every artist I know who draws some of the most violent stuff or is into some really sick things is actually a really sweet person. And they are mm -hmm. using their art as a sandbox. Um, one of the best examples I can think of is the difference between um, Miyazaki and Junji Ito. <laughs> An you know, interesting Miyazaki, crossroads. Miyazaki is a is a miserable bastard. Like, sorry if you're listening, um, uh, Studio Ghibli. Uh, by the way, thank you. Um, Glad to have you here. If you yeah, are, <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show. Um, but you know, you, you how the fuck at, did you get here? The thing is, you know, he's self admittedly a miserable bastard. He said mm -hmm. that about himself. He's the he has a hard picture time. Of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anime was a mistake. That whole thing. <laughs> you know, and how he he openly says he he doesn't respect his son. You know, he's he's gone on record saying these rather miserable things, and yet you look at um, his films and they're beautiful and uplifting and wonderful and all that, and that's fine and dandy. You look at Junji Ito's work; he's actually every interview I've seen of Junji Ito, wonderful guy, happy uh, and 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 full of life and 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 filled with a, a sense of uh, of joy to be around and yet he draws some <laughs> sick shit and that and that's because the creative aspect of of you is allowing you to integrate a part of your shadow and in a safe and healthy way without acting it out upon the real world so mm -hmm. this was a long-winded answer to recap being into fatal vor being into a dark fantasy Sometimes it's good to feel these feelings. Sometimes it's it's actually fine to feel these feelings. Um, and in fact, many of us feel these feelings a lot. Most of us don't even give them a second thought. They come in and out of our head like like nothing. Some of mm -hmm. us turn them into sexual fetishes. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you should feel shame. It's just like that's just a normal part of your human brain working. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we do, we might have to talk about the people who do uh, take things too far. You know, it is, mm. a, it is a, there's going to be someone out there that says, but there's some weirdos out there who actually do try to perform, you know, things in real life. There's a, there's an infamous uh, cannibalization case in Germany. Yes. Yeah, I think you're, you're thinking exactly what the what the yeah yeah because I know the Vore community fandom, however you want to refer to it as, got bad publicity from that because like oh my god, there's cannibals out there. It's like no, this is one. It's a very uh, that case itself was uh, for those of you who don't know, and this is you know this might not be something that you might want to hear, but yeah. By the way, we'll probably include a content warning and I'll timestamp. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we're all, a, you know, everyone here is an adult and we're... God, I fucking hope so. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a situation where someone voluntarily, consensually, went over to a, a person's place in Germany and got eaten. That was, mm -hmm. it, it was not a forced kidnapping or anything. It was just some really sick um, kind of situation where someone wanted to get eaten and someone wanted to do the eating and they found each other online and they did the act in real life 
and I believe the the one who did the cannibalism was charged. I don't know the full end of the story there, but you know, it it, it he didn't get away with it. No, no one got away with it. Um, no. And that whole thing kind of made uh, the the Vor fandom sort of like this taboo. It's like, oh, there's a bunch of sick people out there who want to do this to each other. It's like that one scenario is a huge outlier and and is an example of mental pathology. There's there's definitely something wrong going on when you when you take something that is healthily expressed in fantasy and put it into the real world. Because this mm-hmm. is a game where you only get to play once. And it's not something that I kinda want to express that very clearly. Like people who do it, you know, draw I draw or into the stuff that we're into, we're pretty normal people on you know for the most part. Um that's that is a an aberration when people take it to the realism, the the real world. Uh, to pull back for a moment, uh, mm-hmm. earlier you mentioned that you consider Vor to be sandbox. Yeah, or and I would say in general. Yeah, sure. And I would say that if you just take the word Vor as a basis, you can expand that into quite a few different things. Uh, you know, you and I typically are, t- or as I'm aware of, it's just Orvor with just general digestion and themes. I think, well, that's just it as I think insertion is a separate thing. I I would, I would say vor requires consumption Mm -hmm. and like through the digestive tract. I don't think anything involving anal vor is, I say, I don't don't even like using those terms because it's more like anal insertion. Um, It's, it is, it's butt play, you know, (laughs) however you want to call it. It's just, I, I, you know, I, I like to be able to define things as clearly as possible, or mostly for my own sake. You know, I, I enjoy definitions. I know some people don't like being labeled, and I understand that. I totally get that. Um, I do. I, I like having things categorized so I under so I know better what I like. And um, so this is opinion. It's not, you know, if you have a different opinion, it's not, there's no wrong or right here, really. I prefer just to have vor defined as something eating another thing. It could be same-sized vor. It could be soul vor. It could be all those things. I mean, there's still very there's a million different variants there. But exactly. I would I would put things like you know, uh, unbirthing, um, anal insertion, those kind of things, macro micro play, even just maw play. I don't necessarily consider that vor. Mm. No one's being because that could. That could yeah. be uh, branching into an oral fixation fetish. It's just a blowjob with extra steps. <laughs> Toothy. You know, it's it's not that it, it's 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 a gateway drug. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Moss shots is the marijuana. Yeah, Moss shots <laughs> is the gateway to full on like okay, no, we, we don't go to the stomach right away. It's just the tip. Moss shots are the just the tip <laughs> of uh, of of vor. I've I've done that with an artist. I know. Like, like, they aren't in a vor, but I got them to draw a mosh out for me. Hang that's on. a funny thing. Let's go you know, deeper. That, that's a funny thing when you say that. I'm not into vor, but yeah, the no, but I, is where we uh, we can kind of stretch the line here because I can guarantee you, when someone says I'm not into vor, but what they're mm-hmm. saying is I'm open to be convinced. 
And I'm sure. not saying like, don't try to force Vor on people, please. You know, that's, <laughs> don't try to force anything on people who who they don't want to. But, but force like, this podcast on them. <laughs> right. It's it's good to it's good to know that when people say they're not into something, but what they're saying is they have an open mind. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people I know who they might be into Vor, they just haven't seen the thing that it is that speaks to them. For me, right. like we were talking about in the very beginning, it was stuff like Little Shop of Horrors. It was stuff like you know, watching National Geographic. It was it just just these things that triggered an interest. And sometimes all you need is that little bit of a spark. And for some people, God, as weird as it is to say, for some people, my own art was that spark for others. Yeah, how and, do you feel um, about that? I know, oh uh, like, like we're talking, like we 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 we, talk, we glanced over the fact yeah. that like you you feel. Like you're at a precipice of a lot of emotional moments. How do you feel knowing that you're probably inspired somebody in in their entire path to like vor fetishization and self discovery? At one point, I was a little a little sickened by the idea that I was probably some kid's wank fantasy. You know, when they were like, you know, searching the internet for vor for the first time, just like mm-hmm. me when I was a kid. You know, it's like, oh god, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> But the second feeling was one of like, you know, I'm I'm kind of happy about that. I'm glad that I could be someone's introduction to something interesting. Be, you know, what I think is interesting mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, welcome to the journey. <laughs> it's 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 a rabbit hole. And I, you know, if I could be someone's introduction to it, it means that even if it's a, a sexual thing, it means that my work had meaning and mm-hmm. had it, it had a. Uh, um, something that I didn't expect across time, you know, it's like, okay, you know, here we go back to the philosophical stuff again, right? <laughs> like, you know, I just think okay. we don't understand what our creations will do across the span of time. Mm. Sometimes it can be ridiculously silly and end up being a meme that has lost all context, uh, from its original meaning. Mm. Sometimes. It could be something, you know, you know, like I said, it could be something silly. It could be something very profound. Um, for some people, you know, I have actually come up to me and said, I, you know, I was into, I was into the concept of war until I saw your work. And then I'm like, this is what I really like. You really, you said something that I knew was true about myself through your artwork. And I couldn't describe it until I saw your artwork. That to me is like one of the best compliments I could ever get. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens, it's happened a couple of times. It's like, I'm glad I could teach you something about yourself that you already knew. You just needed the words, you needed the language for it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a good story, a, a, a good sexual fetish, a good, whatever, whatever it is that you're, that you're trying to discover about yourself, however you find it, you know, it's important we go through those journeys and, you know, yeah, I, I think that, you know, that, that feeling at first it's surreal. And then, at, you know, then it's like, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I could be that stepping stone for someone on their personal human experience, on their, their journey and discovery of themselves. How cool is that, right? That's you know? fantastic. I, uh, I try to think maybe sometimes, maybe, uh, well, that's kind of what I want to do with this podcast. Just right? in, yeah, you know, I want to try to convey things that we all feel. Or you never know. Hopefully that it could take years before the right person hears this at the right time that helps them understand themselves better. 
And this is why I think it's important not only to have podcasts, but just to have dialogue to to express our ideas. If I didn't have access to the internet to help me understand why it is I like, you know, things getting eaten, I would never have discovered this a aspect of myself or explored it or gone on the creative journey that I eventually became. It's it's almost butterfly effect kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like keeping that keeping uh, the ability to communicate open and asking questions about what it is you like and why you like something is an is an important part of self discovery. And now, yeah, um, you were talking about uh, how people have come up to you. I think that's mm -hmm. just a, a uh, example of the fact that this th there is a community around yeah. this fetish. Uh, I didn't I didn't feel like that was the case when I was first joins uh mm. I, I i know that's not true because i'm relatively younger than a lot of people in this fandom uh but at the same time like i would never have expected to see something like this on twitter ever like no. back in 2012 or anything like that and yet now it's 2022 and suddenly like people make their entire like livelihoods off of selling uh, vor pornography on Twitter. Mm. And uh, I just think that's fascinating that the commu that a community around this exists and it's doing a lot of great things for a lot of people. And I don't know. I just want to deconstruct that. You know, because there's a lot of, especially nowadays, there's, mm. there's contentions around, you know, sex positive sex positivity you know suddenly uh people are worried that gay marriage is back in the uh yeah in the zeitgeist yeah. of if it's legal or not um so okay here's the thing yeah. like i'm trying to i'm not trying to i'm trying to digest each topic unintended. again um yeah. <laughs> um and come come up with some kind of coherent but, answer so there's no need to be like insightful i guess no but i want to know what i really think and i just don't want to shoot off the off the hip here mm -hmm. because this is a you know the aspect of community right mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that at least how i define community is that there is an established set of norms that you will follow when you are part of a community. And I don't really think, and this is just in Vore, this is furries in general. I don't, I always like to call it the furry fandom or the mm -hmm. Vore fandom because, yes, we're all connected to each other with this shared experience and shared interest, but we don't have a shared set of norms. There's not a shared way to behave or to act or to, you know, that, that's why there's so many different offshoots of Vore, so many different fetishes in the furry fandom, so many different sub-tribes of sub-tribes of sub-tribes. So I don't... I, it's not that I, I... I'm not saying I disagree with your concept of, of community. I just have a different definition of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so in that respect, I think the the development of something like Twitter, message boards, websites that people could could come together and, and discuss about uh, their interest and stuff like Vore has been a great way for people to 
discover themselves. Um, community? Loosely, perhaps, because there is this relationship that has been established between artists and uh, com and clients, commissioners, mm -hmm. right? So I would say that that community does exist. There is... There, there, there's it, certainly commerce, not necessarily community. Yeah, yeah. But there have been, like, the, the commerce itself has also created a set of norms and etiquettes that that now exist between the furry fandom. It's one of the most fascinating things to me, and I'm really talking about furries in general, but more specifically, the artist side of it, where it's like, we create our own fandom. You know, it's not like, I mean, yeah, sure, many of us have gotten into, like, furries from, like, Disney, perhaps, mm -hmm. or we've gotten into it from some other Watership Down, some other anthropomorphic thing. Maybe you were just really into Egyptian gods. I don't know. Maybe something triggered your interest in anthropomorphic animals, and that's how you got into furries. But the fandom itself has some some elements of a true community developing in the sense that, you know, the the artist creative side creates a entire worlds for the fandom bid to come around uh, on. And sometimes the well, let's say the Vore artist, for instance, you know, we we have iconic characters like Bunsen out there and, and mm -hmm. iconic um artists like Cake Inferno you know, making animations and, and creating sort of this group of people who want to do similar things. So yeah, I, I would say that there are, there are elements of actual communities forming um, within this whole nebulous fandom, um, mm. concentrated elements in, in, in different groups, um, which I think is fascinating. And I think that seeing it develop from the early days when it was just like a few weirdos on message boards saying, hey, you know, <laughs> let's let's share some of our kinks together to now we're developing entire like characters and storylines and 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 whatnot. That's got to be like Follow. that moment. I, I would love to have an element of omniscience just to see the moment, the first person who confessed, hey, OK, so hear me out. And they start typing this <laughs> for them. And then not only does that person type that in, somebody else goes, I agree, which is when, just cosmically like improbable. When a person goes to a therapist and says, something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And the, the, they don't want to hear, I mean, they may not know it, but the last thing they want to hear is, oh yeah, you're crazy. Mm. You know, what they really want to hear is, it's okay. Everyone feels this way. It turns out you're not crazy. You're just human. Right. And that's kind of the aspect. That was that was a part of me when I discovered Vore online was like, oh, thank God this isn't just me. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a sense of, I found my people. It was a sense of, oh, I'm not that weird. I'm weird, but I'm not alone. And that is profound. And that's why when someone says, your work introduced me to this or, or, or was a... Uh, an awakening let's say it's like congratulations you're not alone you know that's the, the scariest thing for people i think is to to feel like no one else understands them and that that's mm -hmm. why a lot of people like you know unfortunately um you know feel repressive about their sexuality sometimes is you know whether it's just something as simple as being gay was something to be repressed so long ago mm -hmm. and it turns out there's actually quite a few gay people it's a, it's there's a lot of gay people 
and the queers you don't have taken over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I would certainly say, I mean, there. God damn it, we're trying. <laughs> I would certainly say it, it allows people, like the internet in particular, has allowed people to feel. God, don't use the internet as your therapist. Um, but oh, God, it, has, no. it, it has allowed people to discover that they are not alone with their weird thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't call that community yet, but it is something fascinating. You you do I, use the stipulation of yet. Yet, no, absolutely. I think it can. Mm -hmm. I think I think we like like I said before. I think we're starting to see it um, with. Uh, Maybe not with Twitter. Let's say I think Twitter is the opposite of a community, um, <laughs> and and by that okay, so a community is a set of like norms, right? Where people um, norms and etiquette. Uh, sure. It's a society, really. It's a, it's just a small microcosm of society. When I think of community, I think of like a church is a community, uh, a school is a community. It's a and you know, you because know, not only are they all you know, are you all linked together in this environment, you know. But you're also linked together by rules and norms and culture, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the furry fandom, vor fandom, is every, it, it's nebulous. No holds part. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> yeah it, people it, just yeah. do whatever the fuck they want. You get a Except, note on FA yeah. that says no subject, do you RP? Yeah, it's, like, it's there. Yeah, and that's why I use the word sandbox. That's I love the word sandbox because <laughs> it is it's still very nebulous, it's still forming, and in that sandbox. Yes, you are starting to see little elements of communities form, mm -hmm. um, particularly amongst artists who develop a following. Um, I would honestly say that, you know, when an artist develops, uh, creates a Discord server and uh, gets people to come in, they start, all start following the rules. They all start playing the game of being in that Discord community. That's mm -hmm. when I would start to use that word more, more frequently. And yes, I do see that happening. And yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool. It's, uh, it, yeah. You 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 use the term, but I would also like to pull back and say Vor is not exclusively furry. It's just the one. No, no. it's the it's the one that's most organized, and that's yeah. why I think that there is a actual. That's why I think we actually do fit the definition of a community right now, mm. because there is a subset. There they yeah. have their own terminology. They do have an etiquette. Don't fucking send notes on FA that say no I, I, subject. Do you RP? That's like rule number one. And yet it still happens a lot. And so I don't it think still happens. I, oh, a ton, a ton. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's not quite set in stone in the way something like a church or a school is. I mean, mm -hmm. these are old institutions, right? I mean, right. ancient institutions. The, we're still in the, the budding. Yeah, we're the Church of War. Oh my goodness! But you know, we are still in the budding um, uh, world of the internet, where mm -hmm. things are are starting to sort of like 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 we were saying, coalesce into groups, into communities, into like Discord servers and things like that, where where rules are more established, where norms are more established. So, I think we're getting there. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think we're getting there. Um, sort of, sort of like a. A collection of societies, yeah. They're not well, necessarily a community within each other, but inside yeah. each of those little pockets. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, I mean, really, I, it, it's it's weird to argue over semantics. It's not really arguing, discussing semantics. It's it is just well, yeah, like I, just like you talked about before. Like definitions mm. are pretty. They are important. Yeah, they're they, definitely they, important. 
they help us like like walk through this whole process we get stepping stones yes and we can jump off from there but you know with something as weird and as amorphous as a board can be which it is weird like i will not say that this thing is not weird uh i would say i'm gonna i'm a i have a thought and i want to talk about this um before i forget so there was this one discovery channel um show called Ah, um, i know exactly what you're talking about you know okay so this one guy um he wanted to get eaten by an anaconda he even made this stupid suit it looked um, really stupid. Oh, it was incredibly stupid. And I'm like, bro, if you want to get eaten by this anaconda, I could I could design a suit for you. Um, <laughs> but it was like this muscle man, like that one of like those bear suits, right? That was like totally bulky and ridiculous, but like an acid proof lining. I'm like, you're not gonna get digested. You're not gonna sit in there long yeah. enough. To- you need to be in there for like two months. days. Yeah. Um, like it takes months for a snake to digest well, food. At least twenty four hours, really, to 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 get the acids and juices flowing. But it's like, yeah, you're not gonna have enough air for that. So yeah. you can get rid of a lot of that shit. Um, and all you, but digressing, it was all performative. But mm. his concept was, I'm gonna get eaten by a snake, and I'll have cameras, and I'll do all of this, and you'll be able to see me inside this anaconda. And of course, there was all these people like, oh no, that poor snake and animal cruelty and all that. And they have a point, valid, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I thought it was performative bullshit from the very beginning and i kind of knew he's not going to do it but (laughs) surprisingly millions of people tuned into that show far greater than discovery ever anticipated and it's not like all these people have a war fetish but we all have death anxiety and this is one of those things he is triggering an ancient part of our brain the uh, most ancient you could say the most ancient part exactly the most ancient part the the, the it, this isn't even human we're going we're going before humans we were like when when our common ancestor mammals are being hunted by things. single-celled organisms yeah. thought about this, man i don't want to get eaten exactly this is this is bill billions of years old right this is mm-hmm. a foundational fear of living things of predator and prey relationships and he was able to get a lot of people to watch that stupid show, which had nothing to do with being eaten. It was just a a bait and switch. And you know what? People were pissed. People were actually upset that he didn't follow through with his plan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you're telling me you're upset this guy didn't get eaten? You're upset this guy didn't show you pictures of a person inside of a snake's stomach? L- listen, like, like, considering who we are and where we I would be, I am upset. I would have loved to see some of that. (laughs) Personally, I would have loved to see it too. You know, I'm sure he cock blocked a lot of people who were, who were interested um, in something as weird and sick as that. Cause honestly, like the part of me that was like, yeah, this is to do this to a snake is, is that's dick. That's dick being a dick. But what fascinated me ultimately was just how many people tuned in and how many people were upset that he didn't follow through millions and this is why you know you may say vor is weird and it is weird um but i do think it's a way for us to cope with a certain level of death anxiety um we all want to find meaning in the end of things because it will happen to everyone and when it comes to vor well what a great way to give your life meaning 
you know, to be consumed by something potentially greater, maybe even consumed by something that you want to be consumed by, whether it's a dragon or a Renamon or a whatever you have a crush on creature or character or person. It doesn't have to be furry, right? Hey, gang, it's so, time to spot what, uh, what Sid's real into. <laughs> it's Renamon. Oh, yeah. Well, who isn't, right? You know, what are the three top searches on FA? Vor, Renamon, Crystal. So. <laughs> I'm not lying. That's exactly true. Those are the actual statistics. Um, nice job, but, guys. But yeah, so <laughs> let's yeah, let's be real here. People were tuning into this thing, wanting to see a guy get eaten because it's a primal fear you're tapping into. It is a part of the um, you could call it, it's not just death anxiety, but the uh, what called the ontological anxiety, where it's like the fear of meeting your end, mm -hmm. the the fear of of uh, the existential fear of knowing that things are going to end and being greeted with death, being greeted with this idea that you're going to get eaten. You're going to, you're, what do you do? Well, you know, what can you do? End of the road. What can you do? Yeah. Kind of a thing. It's an existential crisis. And if you want to like research this stuff, guys, you know, just, just look up death anxiety psychology. It's, it's fascinating because so much of our culture, human society is built around this. How do we live longer? You know, how do we avoid the gruesome end? How do we make, not just avoid it when it does come for us, how do we make meaning out of it? How do we accept it when it happens? And Vor, as weird as it may seem, is kind of a, it is a comforting way to approach something like death anxiety. And for, you know, I don't know if I'm speaking to many people who are like nodding their heads to this right now, but I've certainly thought of it this way thinking it's like, you know, why am I fetishizing something that could potentially be fatal? And it's like, well, it, it makes it more comfortable to deal with. Because like I mentioned very early on, I used to be freaking scared of being eaten. The mm. idea of being hunted down by a predator was a terrifying concept. And it still is in a lot of horror movies. Why do you think we have shit like Anaconda and Jaws? Even if it may turn someone on at some point, it still raises the hairs on the back of your neck in a primal, fearful way. These are horror movies. So, yeah, I wanted to kind of really talk about, or at least breach that topic, because it's like a lot of normal people, quote-unquote, tuned into something completely abnormal because they wanted to see it. They were curious, maybe nervous, maybe anxious to see it. Well, Sid, that is an incredible insight to this topic, and I appreciate you <laughs> discussing it. Um, you've kind of covered all that, at least that part. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, I know we were going to dive into that, so I just wanted to, like, get it all out there. That's that's something for your for your viewers to think about, I hope. I hope I'm just not rambling nonsensically. To no. me, it made sense. No, um, I mean, people stick through your streams, right? Yeah, right. They, you say it. these things, there. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I do think that is a good stepping off point for us because we've been going at it for about two hours now. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'd like to give a big thank you to you, Sid. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, especially for the inaugural episode. It's been fascinating to talk this out with you. Um, yeah, my pleasure. You got anything you need to, you want to plug your Twitter, your FA? Um, you can find me on uh, Acidic on Fur Affinity. Um, Twitter is really just a, a 
there's nothing I post on Twitter that's not already on FA. So <laughs> I, I would say if you want to actually contact me and, and talk to me in person, uh, you know, reach out to me on Fur Affinity. I'm always out there to talk. I like discussions, clearly. Um, I guess the only other thing I would say is for anyone who found these insights interesting, just ask questions. Ask questions as to why you like stuff. Um, really, that is how all of this started, was I just started asking myself questions. Why am I interested in these weird things? And I answered honestly. You'll be surprised what you what your brain will tell you. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, Sid. Um, our cover art is done by at Caleb Art Stuffs on Twitter. Uh, and our intro introduction and closing music is done by at Jeshke. Uh, thank you all for listening to Food for Thought, and uh, let's see what we can dig into later. See ya.